It's the RU Review, a podcast on Rutgers football. This is episode number seven. I'm Steve Titchener with the Devils' own Matt Lachlan. But make no mistake, the man can talk some football. And we'll have Noah Kaufman, a former uh, staffer for Inside NU, to talk about how things are going in Evanston uh, these days. But first, Matt, we need to talk about Michigan State and uh, another rough afternoon in uh, Piscataway at SHI Stadium. Uh, it, it's never good when the other team is breaking records. I'll say that. <laughs> and uh, boy, they just, uh, you know what? The, the Actually, the score was a lot closer than if you looked at the stats. You'd be like, this is a slaughter. Yeah. And you know, and a good part of the second half, they were one touchdown away, Matt. That's it. So they were in the football game. But my goodness, uh, we all know the big play just absolutely killed them. They've struggled in the past. Uh, Rutgers has with the big play. Uh, not so much last year, the previous year, but a few times last year as well. Um, it just really bit him in this game. And, um, you know, Jalen Naylor was really, I mean, he, he just did a number on him. So did Kenneth Walker. Uh, they're running back 233 yards, three TDs. Jalen Naylor had 221 yards receiving, three TDs. Peyton Thorne, uh, 339 yards passing three TDs and, you know, all to nail her. And I got to tell you, he, he was, he throws a nice ball, man. He's a, he's a good uh, quarterback and boy, uh, uh, they, what did they have that Rutgers didn't have was a, was a pass and catch. They did not have a Rutgers does not have a pass and catch like uh, Michigan state did with the night. And they have other receivers too. It's just Jalen nailers, all they needed. And it was just a, um, just a rough af- afternoon with these big plays. Now I, you know, it's football. You get one big play, okay. You get two big plays, all right, that happens. But four plays over 60 yards, uh, three of them passing, uh, the the huge run. And, and I got to tell you, two of them, that really drove me up a wall, Matt, was the one where, look, there was one, it was a broken coverage, obviously. Yeah. Um, Trey, Trey Avery had a rough afternoon. Uh, there was a broken coverage, uh, and and Naylor was wide open. Okay. And then there was another flea flicker, which is actually, yep. was actually a really nice play, and, and Peyton Thorne just put it right on the money. So there's two big plays there. The one play where, the, where they... Uh, Thorn hit Naylor on the sideline. He doubles back into the field and then runs the other way. It just looked like a high school play. It's like, for my goodness, you have the angle. Make that tackle there. That absolutely drove me up a wall. And then when they were still in the game in the second half, you know, they pin... Uh, Michigan State down at the six-yard line. You've got them right where you want them. Field, you flip the field. Okay, your punter did what he was supposed to do, and you give up a 94-yard run, which was, by the way, now Sparty's been playing, I don't know, football since uh, Christ was a carpenter. It, it was the longest play from scrimmage for Sparty. Are you kidding me? I, that And that that took the life out of the stadium. That took the life out of New Jersey, Matt. They, they felt that in Cape May. You felt it wherever you were. You felt it. Yeah. My goodness, it just was over then. Well, it and was it was a huge play. It, it took a game that was close on the scoreboard. It was only a one touchdown game, and then it it blew it open from the standpoint that you never thought Rutgers was going to be able to score. It was going to be hard enough to score the tying touchdown at twenty one thirteen, but then for them to have to score twice, just the way the game was unfolding, it was going to happen. Yeah, big plays killed Rutgers. There's no question about it. It was breakdowns. That secondary is young. They're missing Max Melton. They were exposed by a good passing attack. You know, to me, the score was one thing. The fact that they were close, I mean, they had a lead twice in the first half. Mm -hmm. So they didn't, it's not like they failed to show, it's just they couldn't finish it. And listen, injuries again, their depth is an issue. And they're three and three, which is exactly what everyone thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought they'd have a shot at, at home against Michigan State. I mean, I know last year was right. It, it, what nothing was right about last year, and they they had that big, exciting opening win at Michigan State. And so I thought, hey, maybe uh, maybe they had a chance. And I. <laughs> Frankly, they did if they could have if they could have mitigated some of those huge plays. And like I said, had two instead of four. I know they see these are huge ifs, but then then you have a whole different game. But you can't give up four huge plays like that. So so that really killed them. Uh, you know, on the positive end of it, look, 
If you look at Rutgers program right now, they are winning the games they should win. And that's something. Okay. Hello, uh, Eastern Michigan. Hello, Buffalo. Hello, going out to Kansas and getting ripped apart. I mean, there was, there were some bad performances over the last few seasons. And to see them come in and listen, you know, they, they won the games. Uh, you know, they beat Temple. They went to Syracuse. They beat Syracuse and you showed something. Delaware could have put a scare in them. They took care of that. But you're right. I mean, these are the games that they were supposed to lose. These yeah. are the games that they were not favored. And in fact, they did lose. I, I'd like to see that, uh, you know, if after, especially after the Michigan game, though, Matt, maybe the Michigan game was a tease. It's like, wait a minute, this this team did take a big step. And then the last two games have just been really a struggle. I mean, Ohio State, you just, yeah, I, get, we, I know we got to flush it. And they, and Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. Come on, let's face it. I think we all agree after what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. But um, I hope, I, you know, 31 13, um, I, I thought. I thought the offense could have played better, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I thought they could have stayed and and had and had a shot here. But it it um, it would actually, if you look at the yardage, it looks like a blowout, and the score was not so bad considering. But it, uh, again, back to, back to the big plays, and they're just not. Um, they're not ready to beat a team like Michigan State quite no, yet either. No, they're not. Uh, a, a top 10 team. Rutgers is not ready to beat a top 10 team. Let's be honest. And listen, give Mel Tucker credit. I mean, you know, they were, come on, last year, again, even though last year is, was what it was, I mean, to lose to Rutgers in, at home, and they were probably like, what? what is this? This is not Sparty, man. This is not who we are. And for him to, you know, he did a great job getting a lot of um, uh, transfers, mm-hmm. and uh, he built the team on, on, on Kenneth Walker. A transfer, yeah, I know, guy, you know, and so um, they got they got some talent that way. He rebuilt, and so I think though. But going back to the season opener last year, let's let's be honest. Shiano's first year, boys are fired up. Michigan State hired Tucker late, mm-hmm. so he was even hired later than Shiano was. Mm-hmm. So he had less time. A lot of pressure on Michigan State because it's Rutgers. You should right. just walk over Rutgers, right? And he wasn't ready to, to – mm-hmm. his team wasn't ready. They turned the ball over a lot, and and Greg's team was fired up. And, yeah, and then you know, wound up winning games in the Big Ten last year. So now no one's going to look past Rutgers. You better be ready. Michigan State certainly wasn't going to look past them. They weren't going to commit – seven turnovers. By the way, that was as poorly a coached win as I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. What a horrible job on the sidelines he did. What? I, I, I don't know what he was doing. I, yeah. I can't figure Missing it out. Missing the field goal at the at the uh, halftime. And, and then yeah, in the I mean, second. Yeah, I know, you know, with the two timeouts yeah. and the fake on the third, and yeah. I don't know if that set the kid off, but uh, like they, there were times they didn't know what plays to run. They took delay game penalties. I don't know what the heck. A lot of delay games on. go. And, and there was they, a thousand. I think I added and, a thousand. And they seemed to be frazzled in the second half. There was a point there where they had like two or three in a row delay games, and they could ter- just, terribly the punter coached. was a mess. Terribly coached. and um. And I'm thinking, you know what? Rutgers still has a chance here. Yeah. And then again, but did really, you ever think they could score again? Well, yeah, that's like, the problem. So 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 then Crookshank goes out. Mm-hmm. The offensive line, they pulled the one kid with all the holding penalties. They lost two guys the week before, the two weeks before the injury. So the offensive line is already banged up. They pull another guy. So the depth is being tested, and it's not that deep. Vedral is under pressure all day long. Crookshank yeah. goes down. Melton's on the sideline with his arm in a sling. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, injuries are definitely an issue. There's, there's no question about it. And how many times can you do? Um, uh, can Vedral do a keeper, and then he's hurt too. So because he's, you know, you you live and die by that man. And you know, and it was nice opening drive. He had like a nice what a thirty five yard run to set up their first score. Um, and he's, you know, he look, he's tough. The kid is tough, and he and he's willing to 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 you know, and he's going and he's going straight into these linebackers and and linemen yeah. and stuff. He's getting and smacked he, around. He he's can't not a throw, big guy. He can't throw the ball like we've seen yeah. the last couple of weeks, right? So you know, he he doesn't yeah. have the same arm as yeah. uh, you know Peyton Thorn. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't he, have the same receivers by the way either. He had Crookshank open uh, earlier in the and game. And Crookshank gets hurt on it. Yeah, and gets then, hurt on that play. Yeah, and he was wide open. He made on the that nice play. pass to Crookshank down the sideline. Yeah, eighteen yards yeah. to on a big third down play. So 
Rutgers looked okay early, but as the game went on, the adjustments were made. And, and this, you never felt watching the game. It's 21-13, and I'm thinking, okay, they're in it. They just need a break. They weren't going to be able to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. And, and Michigan State didn't give them that break like so they did last year. So let's turn to Sean Gleason. I mean, this rising star, and and last year he did an amazing job. And listen, this is a different offense than like looks of the Ash years were just lost. I mean, they couldn't even move complete a pass. So, but still, I mean, I guess he can't. He has nothing. Is that what it is? Because it's always look. It's a keeper with ding, no ding, 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 ding. or it's or it's a screen because he doesn't have any time. There's nothing going downfield. I'll tell you what. You got a really nice tight end in Giovanni Hoskins. Man, the kid. What is he? Six six two hundred fifty. 50 pounds, nice hands. They got that touchdown pass to him against Syracuse. When he went, you know, remember Jerome Washington before he got hurt? I mean, the guy was catching 10 balls a game. I mean, you would think he can get, and look, tight ends, listen, they don't, they don't catch the ball 20 yards down the field. They're not stretching the field. Your tight end is that there's a possession guy. Can't you get your, get it out to your tight end, seven, eight yards down the field, let him run a little bit? It's a kid, the kid's an athlete. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just wondering. Um, there are, it seems there are some weapons that are under Why? Is he under pressure? Why can't he? Because he's under pressure. Yeah, yeah I know. How many it, times was okay. he pressured on Saturday? Oh, like yeah. 19, 20 yeah, times? Yeah, it, it, yeah. And then it's at the issue. end, he, you it's know, the, the elbow and the helmet come together on another pressure. Well, are we, they are what they are. Exactly. I mean, they, 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 so they, they, I said it all along. They're three and three. They're yeah. exactly where they, Michigan exactly State where they should. Michigan be. State was too big up front, just like Ohio State was. But, you know, then what was Michigan? Michigan still got big guys. They got big boys. They had one half. Oh, listen, okay. I don't want to put down what Rutgers did. They got steamrolled in the first half. Harbaugh didn't do the same thing in the second half. Give Rutgers some credit, perhaps, for some adjustments. But what happened in the first half? Mm-hmm. Every, right. every right. time. Forgive me for getting a little excited over that Michigan game. Forgive me. No, no, no. But there's a theme here. You, you know, you're saying, oh, Michigan was close. And it was, as was last year's game. But in the first half, Michigan steamrolled Rutgers. Long drives, uh, ball possession drives, because they're bigger and more physical. Rutgers is not going to show some success on a regular basis until starting next year, Wimsat will play, assuming he's everything that they say he is. I remember Art Sitkowski. Mm-hmm. Everyone was so excited. This was the next guy who could throw the ball 65 yards down the field. And now he's left the program and he didn't have any success. Oh, by the way, because he was running for his life, he had no line. Mm-hmm. Listen, that's where it's going to pay off, though. The recruiting that he's done is going to pay off. Eventually, he'll have Big Ten depth, Big Ten size, Big Ten speed. Right now, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's just the reality. So, so that's why Northwestern uh, is big. It's just like we yeah. said. Now, Look at where the wins might come. They need three more wins to go to the bowl. Northwestern needs one more than that. So they're a little bit behind Rutgers in that respect, and they may not get to six. So this is a huge game, huge game. It is, and I, I will say this: another uh, you know disappointing thing was that there was no, there was no crowd. Uh, listen, okay, it wasn't a beautiful day by any means. There was the threat; it was a little cloudy. Actually, it was kind of nice. It was yeah, a nice breeze. I, actually, it was decent. I'm up on the 40 yard line up upstairs, and I like my seats. And it, you know, there was never any you rain. You could have moved down. <laughs> yeah, well, you I didn't could, have to stay no upstairs. You could have no found question. a spot I love it up to move there. to. I see everything. Oh, I yeah. don't miss a thing. It's a great stadium. It really is. It's beautiful in autumn. It's beautiful. It, you know, the leaves are changing. You can see all these, these trees from my, from, from my my viewpoint. It's beautiful. And um, look, I, I know. Look, it's a pro. It's a pro town. It's a pro area, man. You got the Jets and Giants who aren't doing anything. So if, if Rutgers win, if Rutgers wins, well, they'll come out. That's Pandemonium in Piscataway. They're not winning. Pandemonium in Piscataway. They haven't won yet. I was t- I was turned sideways. That place was so packed. So th- it, it will happen. And it, it will happen when they win. But I, but still, man, come on. It's just Big Ten football now. That was big, big East, and it, it, this is Big Ten football. These are big programs coming in. Northwestern's not going to sell out at no, home on Saturday. No, they're not. No, they won't. You're right. And so, uh, the but I mean, it was it, it was maybe it's not half Iowa full. on a Saturday night. Yeah, that's Big Ten football. Yeah, that's the history. State college, that's the, the shoe, tradition, big house. Yeah, I, I mean historically, look. It very well can change for Rutgers, and I'm assuming that it will because we saw it when they were good. People came out. So Rutgers will have to be good. 
Yeah. But it's going and to recruits need to understand the, that. If you win, the people will come. But, but do you think there are people in New Jersey who are going, Michigan State's in town. I got to go see yeah, them. I know. Yeah, maybe Sparty's Hold not on. the big. Wisconsin, Illinois Ohio State, is coming. Ohio Indiana? State was not no a sellout, but it was it was it was jammed. Yeah. It was it was forty five thousand. It was maybe ten, ten, you know, five or ten thousand shy of a full house. This Michigan State game, my goodness! If it was half full, I'll give it half full, maybe. Yeah, all uh, reports. I mean, looking at the state, I couldn't tell other than looking at the shots they showed. But the guys who were writing from the game said twelve, fifteen thousand. Oh man, I mean, I was hoping a little bit more, more than that, but they reported forty one thousand. Yeah. So they gave away a lot of tickets. Yeah. Right. And I'm I got season tickets. So I mean they have, obviously they're counting that. And you know, a lot of got and a lot of don't show. There's a lot of no shows, but I don't know. Listen, I mean, you know, Michigan State's Well, if they po- distributed forty one thousand tickets, which is what they reported as the attendance. And politi- and you know, twelve or fifteen thousand let's even say twenty thousand showed up. Because I don't think we can judge crowds. No. Right. People <laughs> go, Oh, there's thousands of people. Who knows? Right. Yeah. But Let's just say it was 20,000. Let's mm-hmm. say the media guys and gals were wrong, and let's up it to 20,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still 21,000 tickets that weren't redeemed, and they weren't all paid for. So right. I'm assuming Rutgers is you know, handing out a whole bunch of tickets. Yeah, it's probably what's happening. And uh, listen, uh, but it, if they win this year, if they can get mm-hmm. to a bowl game, they'll start to say, it's coming off of COVID, and people have changed their habits. You know, and if you yeah. were asked over the summer and still not sure about COVID, and we're still not sure about it, it's on the run, but we're still not sure about it. And somebody was calling you from Rutgers and said, hey, buy season tickets. Look what Greg did last year. They won Big East games there. They're coming. You know what he did when he was here before? He's recruiting well. It's big. It's Jersey's back. You go, yeah, but COVID's around and I'm not sure. You're going to allow masks, no masks. Mm. What's the policy? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know what? And the killer, I can always buy a ticket if I want to. Right. So are you going to buy a season ticket and, and commit to all those weeks? Or are you going to say, you know what? I'll, I'll pick and choose. I won't go yeah. to Michigan State. I'll try to go to Ohio State. I won't, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So then the, why would you get season tickets if you feel, I mean, I got season tickets for basketball because I started getting a little jittery there. Well, like these guys are getting good sure. and, and the late season is hard to get tickets. I'm like, I'm done. I'm getting season tickets. So, so I did. Uh, and I've always had my season football tickets. I've just always had them. I like my seats and I, and I, and I go to most games. Uh, so uh, it's just the reality of it. Um, it was a noon kickoff to never helps the early kickoff. Uh, I think a later uh, start would have helped. Some better weather would have helped, but in the end of the game, man, it wasn't. It was. A, it was disappointing. You want to see. You want to see more people out there. If, I mean, Again, you would like to see yeah. more. There's no question. Um, and maybe you know, Sparty's not the the big sell right now, but that, that's an important game for Rutgers moving forward. Because let's face it, it's not. They're not Michigan and they're not Ohio State. Although they do upset them here and there, especially Sparty does a great job against Michigan. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat him again this year. Uh, they don't beat Ohio State. They just don't. And they, you know, because everybody. No one beats Ohio State, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's the way it's been going the last ten years. So let's face it; that's the way that goes. But the, you know, so it's 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 like. And Politi made the point when we had Politi on a long time ago that Michigan State's kind of who you look at, and maybe even like a Northwestern and a Purdue. You look at these programs and say, "Hey, can we match these programs and get in a bowl every three years or whatever?" That's or can kind you of be Northwestern, yeah, right. Right. right can. Sure. Which we will. Um, we're going to uh, talk uh, a lot about that. And again, we'll have Noah Kaufman coming up. Uh, hey, can uh, you in, be in those teams? Can but, you be the Northwestern? Can you be in Indiana? Yeah. Can you be a, a, a team that, you know, every, listen, Rutgers, if Rutgers is going to be what we think they can be, they should go to a bowl game every year. Yeah. And let's not forget about Penn State, too, because Penn State's great every year. They just are. And they, they recruit and, they, you know, they got 100,000 people out in State College every weekend and they get these great whiteouts and all that stuff. I mean, look, it's a great program. So uh, there, there's Penn State, too, but you got those three every year. So maybe so. So Michigan State is gettable. All right. It is. And so that's what you look at. 
And but not uh, this year. But yeah, not this year because like again, Mel Tucker did a good job. And I, where'd Peyton Thorne come from? Was he on? I mean, he, he was he on the roster last year? I mean, he he was a damn good quarterback. I mean, he I, he didn't miss anything, Matt. He was good. He didn't miss anything, and he didn't put a lot of air under it either, man. He was throwing seeds right yeah. in, right between Naylor's numbers, man. I mean, he was throwing some good ball, and Naylor's a good receiver. He's fast. I mean, uh, but again, we're not going to replay that. There was some stuff that just drove Look, me up the, the frustration. Wall. Is yeah. under, understandable. I, I just think there's the reality. Yeah, yeah. But there's things that can't happen. I mean, that 94 yard run and, and it was we, big. We that was back. I mean, it was, to make a stop there. Well, you talked about. It. I mean, they, that, they were winning the killed they, that game. They were it was a game wrecker right there. They were winning run. the field possession yeah. battle. Um, and if they stop them there, now they're getting the ball somewhere around the 50 yard line and yeah. with a chance and only yeah. down by eight. Yeah. You just it, it was just hard watching that game to think they they could score again but as long as you have hope anything can happen yeah so uh now northwestern coming up and did i see it is is ruckers actually favored slightly favored in this game i saw I mean, that just, yeah yeah i mean uh, so northwestern who was very good last year just lost a bunch of players we're gonna uh, take a little break here then we'll bring back uh, noah kaufman we'll we'll talk about what's going on in evanston And we're back on the RU Review. Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan. We got Noah Kaufman on the line. He's the former editor-in-chief for Inside NU, and he is also a current uh, broadcaster. And uh, Noah, thanks for giving us some time. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. So Northwestern last year, I mean, yes, a, a, um, a, a strange year for, for everyone. But uh, look, they go 7-2. and two. They win, you know, the Big Ten West and and – uh, looked very good, and now this year, I mean, they lose a lot of players. There's quite a drop off. I mean, what what uh, what do you see with the program right now, and why it's 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 dropped off considerably this year? Well, I think it really has been a disappointing season for Northwestern fans. I mean, the the, the season last year obviously was in strange circumstances, but it really was one of the best Northwestern seasons ever. You know, you win the Big Ten West Championship, you really give Ohio State a fight for it. People forget about that that Big Ten Championship game. They were winning at halftime, you know. Um, It was a good game all the way down to the end against Justin Fields, who they really contained better than anybody else has. Then they go and beat Auburn in the Citrus Bowl, you know. This is a this is a level of winning against quality programs that Northwestern mm-hmm. has not had a lot season. of in the past 21, 25 years, um, even in ninety five. You know, back in the real halcyon days of Pat Fitzgerald, and now you turn it into this year, and uh, you know they lost a lot of players, but the biggest loss, and it's clear now that this is the case. It wasn't as clear at the time. The biggest loss was their defensive coordinator. That's Mike Hankwitz. You know, he's seventy two years old last year. He'd been coaching college football for fifty years. He hung it up. He retired. And so Northwestern moves on to get a new defensive coordinator. They go for Jim O'Neill from the NFL, classic 3-4 guy. He'd been a 3-4 guy all the way in the NFL. They take him into Northwestern, and uh, people thought that things were going to change defensively. You know, this is a Northwestern team that has been near the top of the Big Ten defensively for really the past decade. You know, that's what's led them to the heights that they've been able to get to, two Big Ten West championships in the past three years. And um, people thought that, that Fitzgerald, you know, defensive guru himself in some ways, would be able to take O'Neill and sort of mesh some concepts together between O'Neill's classic 3-4 pattern matching scheme and Northwestern's more traditional 4-3 looks they've gone to throughout Fitzgerald's tenure. And it really hasn't happened. This is the worst defense. It's clear through the first five games. This is the worst defense at least since Hankwitz was hired back in 2008. It might be the worst Northwestern defense since the real dark days since back in the 90s. It's certainly the worst Northwestern defense that Rutgers has ever seen. Um, this is a team that has had its identity sapped. And sure, they've lost, they lost some players. I'm not going to slow play that, right? They, lo- they lose probably the best cornerback in program history, at least top three with guys like Udhaifa Ismaili from way back when. Greg Newsom goes number 20 overall in the draft, right? And he's already making a difference with the Cleveland Browns. That's a big loss. You lose mm-hmm. a star safety in J.R. Pace. You lose a couple of big defensive linemen, Ernest Brown, is getting some playing time with the Rams. You know, Joe Gaziano is on the Chargers active roster. They're, those are guys who were very, very quality players. Mm-hmm. But you brought back five starters. This team, this defense should not be this bad. It was a top 10 defense last year. When you look at points scored, um, when you look at, especially when you look at opponent adjusted stats, you know, looking at the Big Ten 
it was in, in, by some metrics, including SP plus a top five defense in the country. And they've taken, they've gone from that to one of the worst defenses in the big 10. And that is what has really caused the turnaround because the offense, even though they lost their quarterback, Peyton Ramsey, and they lost all three of their top wide receivers, the offense really isn't that much worse. The defense is horrible. And, it, and I'm not overstating that when I say it, so that for, for the long-term outlook of this program, the way the defense looks right now is severely problematic. Well, they're coming off a bye, but the week before they gave up a big 5-6 to Nebraska, so they're licking their yeah. wounds from that. So, Noah, you you mentioned some of the losses, uh, and that would be a reason, but what do you see as being behind the fact that they've just not been able to do anything defensively and the two philosophies have enmeshed? Or, or, you know, Pat working with the new guy just hasn't worked the way people thought it would, certainly the way Pat thought it would. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and you know, if North, people who follow Northwestern football will, will mention I excluded two major players from my uh, accounting of the losses. And those are two guys who aren't in the NFL right now, but their absence is looming large. That's Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher, who were four-year starting linebackers at Northwestern until they graduated last year. And their departure, even though Chris Bergen is still there, who was very solid last year as the third linebacker in that group, and now I, I'm not sure what's going on with him, but he does not look like the same Chris Bergen. This linebacker car has gone from one of the best in the Big Ten to one of the worst, if not the worst. It's it all is around the linebackers, right? Pat Fitzgerald, of course, notably National Defensive Player of the Year in college at middle linebacker. You know, linebacker is his forte. That's what his defenses are always built around the strength of that linebacker group. And this linebacker group, everything about what they have done has been three, four steps back. Right, the run fits are a big, big problem. They're getting they're getting explosive plays against the run from opposing teams game after game. We mentioned that Nebraska score. On the first play of the second half, Nebraska busted out a speed option play and just went 83 yards to the house. Just a standard speed option, and it went just house call right out of the halftime break. It's plays like that all season long. They gave up multiple long touchdowns to Kenneth Walker of Michigan State. Duke ran all well, over We know them. all about it. Yeah, it it was. It's been bad all season in the run mm-hmm. game because these linebackers they're, they they haven't been fast enough to keep up with the running backs. That's one of the big problems. This defense lacks speed in the middle of the field in a way that even slower defenses in the past didn't quite lack. It, pursuit angles are not there. They're not filling the gaps the way they should be because the way this Northwestern scheme works is the defensive line, which is still relatively strong, although not as strong as it's been in years past. Their job is to plug the gaps. They're not too often busting into the backfield and making big plays. Their job is to be the unsung heroes, plug the gaps, pick up two linemen and let the linebackers flow and make plays around them. Right. And that's not happening right now because the linebackers aren't picking the right holes. They're not getting after it in pursuit. And so teams are just running down Northwestern's throat. And on the outside, the secondary hasn't been great either. The passing coverage, they've been hung out to dry a little bit. It's at times, but the pass coverage downfield has really struggled as well. Nebraska beat them over the top repeatedly. Cam Mitchell's looked fine on the outside, but just about every other, just about every other cornerback and safety, with the exclusion of uh, last year's All-American Brandon Joseph, who has not been quite himself either, has really gotten beat multiple times over the top. So it's pretty much wholesale. And the issue is. Northwestern hasn't made any changes from last year's scheme. In fact, they've almost gotten more vanilla than they were last year. That's saying something for Northwestern, right? They're even more 4-3. And nothing, no wrinkles have been added. So the well, question is, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, if you, if you feel, if it makes you feel any better, I mean, Rutgers got torched by Walker on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that. It's true. 94-yard run from scrimmage, which basically iced the game. So we, we oh, know how you feel if yeah, you got if you got diced by him. But here's the thing. I mean, you just said, I mean, you had like four guys leave and go to the NFL, two of them starting. So that's it's significant. True. No, that's significant talent leaving. It's, so that's definitely. Definitely a, it's definitely a factor there. Uh, but, uh, you're, but you're saying that the offense is really not a concern. Uh, would, tell us about the quarterbacks here. You got Hunter Johnson, Ryan Hilliski. I mean, who who's going to start and, and what's the story there? 
and I'm sorry to go on so long. That's okay. Defense, guys. There's just, there's <laughs> no, a we're lot here there. for you. We're here for <laughs> you. You're <laughs> venting. We just vented. Get it out. You know, before you came on, Steve was venting. We were talking You'll about the it. Rutgers loss to Michigan State. So, you know, we're here for each other. It's a kumbaya podcast. No question. <laughs> and, and I, I shouldn't say, I wouldn't say that there's quite nothing to worry about from, from the offense, from the offensive perspective, but in the light of the defensive failure, if you will, it's been a more of a bright spot, right? Mm-hmm. And so right now it looks like Helinski really is the guy. Hunter Johnson got the chance initially. He started out fine against Michigan State. Uh, and then there was a breakdown against Duke in that first half. So he didn't have it. He turned it over, over and over and over again. Um, and and they went to Andrew Marty in the second half of that game, the, the senior backup. Marty got hurt. He's out. We don't know how long with an upper body injury. Fits notoriously very, very cagey with injuries in the media. But our understanding is it's pretty significant. So right now it looks like the guy is Ryan Holinsky. And he had a very solid performance for a 56 to 7 loss against Nebraska. You know, it's tough to take too many bright spots when you lose by 49 points. But he's been throwing the ball well. They've got a great receiver on the outside in Stephon Robinson Jr., who is a transfer from Kansas. He can take the top off a of defense. He had a couple of great deep ball catches. He's a great route runner against Nebraska. Went for over 100 yards and a touchdown. He's one of the best outside receivers Northwestern has had in a long time. This is not a program that turns out outside receiving talent, as you guys might expect. They're a run-first team almost always, even under new offensive coordinator, relatively new offensive coordinator Mike Bajaki, and they're still mostly run-first. But Robinson is a real threat on the outside, and even though the pass protection has been pretty shaky, the offensive line in the run game has looked very strong. They've got a three-headed running back room of Anthony, uh, Anthony Tyus, Andrew Clare, and Evan Hall. All three of those guys offer their own strengths and weaknesses, and they've been able to to create enough holes up front to run the ball for, for some success. The biggest issue has been they're shooting themselves in the foot, and Polinski has been a slight improvement in this regard. He's not turning it over quite as much. Hunter Johnson turned it over at some very inopportune times, both this year and in 2019 when you saw the field when Northwestern went 3-9 and nine that year. Um, Helinski has taken care of the ball better. He doesn't have as strong of an arm as Johnson. He doesn't have that natural arm talent. You're going to see that. He's going to spike some throws into the ground. He's going to miss some over the top. He's going to have some accuracy problems on Saturday. But he takes care of the football. Even though he's not that mobile, he has good pocket movement, which helps him take a few less sacks. He just manager than Johnson is potentially. That might not be enough for Northwestern to win too many games, but it does help. Now what they have to do is clean up the penalties. As you guys well know, Rutgers is a team that just doesn't get penalized very much, right? I, I heard a stat today. They won the penalty battle five out of six games, and only in one in the Michigan game, they only lost it by one. Northwestern, that's typically their MO, but this year they've made a lot mm. of bad penalties, especially on the offensive end. And I think that's something that Greg Schiano is going to be looking at. He's going to be saying, we can take advantage of this Northwestern team and their willingness to shoot them in, themselves in the foot, both in terms of the turnovers and in terms of the penalties. What are you expecting uh, this weekend off the bye week? Obviously, there has to be some changes in approach, maybe a personnel change. Yeah. Uh, what will be the difference from the Nebraska team that took the field versus the team that will be at home against Rutgers Saturday? Well, I think offensively first, a lot of the focus is going to be on what I just said, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to try to take care of the ball. Obviously, this is a very strong Rutgers defense. You guys know that. But it's also not – I think that this is fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong here, guys – it's not a Rutgers defense isn't necessarily going to overwhelm you with talent, right? There's some good players here, yeah, correct. but they're not going to, it's not Georgia. They're not going to run all over you. Right. No, so I, I think mean, Northwestern is. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, I know it's, that's not going to happen in up front because it, it's, it, it, the story is up front, right? I mean, no right, one, right. Uh, the lines are not going to dominate anybody and they're right. not going to do that uh, versus even Northwestern. So might be more of a uh, closer match than what they've been dealing with, what Ohio state, Michigan state, and Michigan, obviously, exactly. but, but uh, right. it'll it, definitely be closer yeah. than that. Yeah. Yes. No doubt about that. So no, you're, you're correct. You're not going to be overwhelmed with talent. No. Right. So I think what Northwestern is thinking from an offensive perspective is we're going to keep the ball on the ground. We're not going to do anything crazy. Maybe they'll bust out a couple of wrinkles in terms of some play calling, but I think they think they're where they need to be offensively. It's just about cleaning up mistakes. I think that's been the focus. Now, defensively, it's tough to say because they should be adjusting every week, right? I mean, they, they, they're getting blown out defensively. They're getting blown off the ball. They're getting beaten and they haven't made any adjustments at all. They've run the same four linebackers out there all season long. They have not had a fifth linebacker touch the field even one time in, in a non-garbage time play. 
right? And this is from a team that I just told you has the worst linebacking core that they've ever had since Fitzgerald has been in the program. So they've only run six defensive backs out there total, total in non-garbage time plays, right? This is not a team that's tried anything new. They run a 4-3, they run a 4-2-5, you know, the nickel package. That's all they've done. So maybe we see some more, I would love, I would love to see some more personnel changes because there are some, you know, four Northwestern, I'm not talking about five stars out there, but there's some, some relatively highly rated recruits waiting in the wings at linebacker who have not gotten a chance to see the field at all. Some guys who we know are faster than the guys on the field. Maybe they don't have, you know, the knowledge of the system. Sure. There's something to that. They definitely don't have some of the experience that some of these guys have, but it would be, <laughs> if they don't put out some new personnel out there, I think Rutgers is going to take what they've seen, which is teams running them over with, edge plays with option style looks with anything off tackle really um, and say, all right, we're going to run with that. So if I'm Northwestern, you got to figure out some way to change that up. And also they've got to figure out a way to get pressure on the quarterback because they're not good enough in the secondary to cover consistently for four or five seconds at a time, like they were last year. So I think one of the main keys in that bye week has to be a way to figure out how can we get pressure on the quarterback? It can't just be the front four, there, there's a couple guys who have been strong in terms of getting on, getting there. Jeffrey Pooler, uh, transfer from West Virginia, and um, and Adetamwa Adabare have both been strong on the defensive line. But they've got to scheme up some pressure. I know Rutgers is a team that's going to be run heavy, uh, but if you, even even a guy like Vedral, who may, maybe you know isn't going to take the top off the defense too much you got to get after him because if you don't, he's just going to be able to stand there in the pocket and complete intermediate throws all day. So I think that's something they're going to be looking to do. Well, this is the time to do it, of course, with the extra preparation time. That has been Rutgers' Achilles heel, though, from the offensive side, aside from now some injuries to the offensive line and to the wide receiving core. But Vedral's been under an enormous amount of pressure. So if Northwestern can figure out a way to get that pressure, uh, you know, we've seen Noah, when he has some time, he's not going to get the deep ball. It's just not his arm, but he can manage the game. But when he's under pressure right, right. and he has, he's just, he's not the same quarterback. So that certainly would play to Northwestern's benefit. But I think something else that uh, Rutgers, you know, and Steve and I didn't talk about it in the last segment necessarily, but they've come off a gauntlet. And while you would think on the one hand that plays into their hands a bit, by the way, they won all their games on the road last year. They didn't win any home games. So maybe they're comfortable (laughs) going into uh, uh, Evanston. Evanston. But, uh, boy, the, the injuries and just the emotion of three hard games, right? it still may take them some time to get over it because they've got their bye week after the Northwestern game, and then that's when maybe they can recover, make some adjustments, and try to figure out a way to win those elusive games that will get them to six. Is is Northwestern looking at this as a game that, well, they are looking at as a game we have to get, but are their playoff hopes still alive as you count through the games the rest of the way in their schedule? If they get this one, can they still go to a bowl? Uh, yes, they can go to a bowl only because the Big Ten West is so bad, but they re- they need this one desperately. Look, left on the schedule, they have virtually every Big Ten West game left on the schedule. The only Big Ten West team they've played so far is Nebraska. I don't know how much you guys keep up with the Big Ten West. It's the worst maybe it's ever been, right? <laughs> Iowa is Iowa. Mm-hmm. We all know how good That's Iowa like is. That such a hell of a game Saturday. Yeah. That was a great game. It and was Iowa, a great game. We all know how good Iowa's defense is. Northwestern team that beat them last year. If you want to know just how fast things have fallen, right? They beat Iowa last year at Kinnick. At Mm. Kinnick, they beat (laughs) Iowa last year. Um, And and now they're looking at Iowa and thinking, well, maybe we can pull out some 2009 magic when they upset a number four Iowa team. But I just don't think this team has it in them. And then there's Wisconsin, who certainly isn't very good, but that defense is locked down. I can't see a lot of points being scored on Northwestern side in that game. but you still got a Purdue team that is struggling, an Illinois team that looks horrible, a Minnesota team that is Minnesota pretty much. You know, since they lost Ibrahim, they've they've just been back to who Minnesota is pretty much all the time, which is kind of who knows on a weekly basis, but they're certainly not very good. So you look at those games, the Minnesota-Purdue-Illinois trio, and you add Rutgers in there, and you think you got a shot at four wins. Mm-hmm. That's what you need, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, now it's going to be difficult because they do not have a decided advantage over any of those teams except for Illinois. But Northwestern thinks they can make a bowl. Fitz thinks he can make a bowl. And uh, they're going to be – they know that this is one they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely they're they're circling it in that regard. For and sure. on the flip side, Noah, it's one that Rutgers needs because they still right. very much want to uh, go to a bowl game. And, the, you know, that magic number is six. They're halfway there. Um, I had to look at the line a couple times and clear my eyes. Is is are, is Rutgers actually a favorite going into this game? Yes, and I'm and, and I'm telling you guys, I'm telling I'm you surprised. guys, I, I'm surprised at that. I really am. I know. I, I I hear what you're saying about the injuries. I, it's valid. I hear it. I watched that Syracuse game. My sister goes to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. I've watched actually a decent amount of Rutgers football so far this year. Okay, nowhere near as much as you guys probably. Mm-hmm. And I know this team has a lot of limitations. But if I think what the Lions makers are counting on, and I'm not saying I would favor Rutgers this game, I probably have Northwestern as about minus one and a half, minus two. Mm-hmm. But what the Lions, what the oddsmakers are counting on is that Rutgers is just, just playing cleaner than Northwestern right now, and there's no reason to believe that they can't run it down Northwestern's throats. Now, I think one of the main things in this game is, you know, Rutgers a team that isn't very explosive in the run game, right? I mean, you look at Pacheco, he's he's a big dude, sure, but he doesn't have that downfield burst, I think it's fair to say. And and Vedral's certainly not a 4-4 guy either, right? These are not dudes who no. are going to run away from a defense Mm -hmm. and that's been Northwestern's biggest weakness defensively is they give up explosive play after explosive play after explosive play something that as you mentioned Rucker struggled with last week as well with the uh with the with the Walker touchdown and then also the the big plays in the passing game to Naylor it was right um yeah a huge game so but Northwestern can give up the big play to anybody there unless you're like Ohio who Northwestern destroyed, but that's Ohio, you know? So I think what they're looking at is if Rutgers can bust out a couple of big plays and then just sort of sit on the ball and not make mistakes and force Northwestern to make mistakes, it seems like a game that Rutgers has a, has a very, very good chance in. But at the same time, if you're Northwestern, you have to think, well, we've got maybe not more talent than these guys, but certainly in, at least an even amount of talent. And when you, when you factor in the Rutgers injuries, because Northwestern has not had as big of an injury issue, you factor in the Rutgers injuries, you, they, they've got to feel like they at least have the Mount talented at some key positions. Mm-hmm. They have to be feeling pretty good about it from that regard as well, I think. So it's going to be a really interesting game. I, fun, I'm, right? I'm not sure where the way it's going to shake out. Yeah, and the big concern for Rutgers is, is the wide receivers, you know, Bo Melton and uh, Aaron Cruikshank, both of them that have, uh, you know, skilled players that Rutgers counts on. Right. And if both of them are on the sideline, that's going to be a challenge. It's like, who do you get the ball to here? I've, I've mentioned like Giovanni. Giovanni I feel Haskins. Like both of those guys have been there forever, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like I've been here about yeah. Crookshank since 2012. <laughs> oh, well, you know, he's a Wisconsin transfer, so you know right, him from right. from that yep, conference. I definitely do. And then, um, you know, Bo Melton. It was great to see him. He was kind of lost in the Ash years, and he was a four-star recruit. But the last couple seasons, right. man, he's really stepped up, and he's their best player. He's their best offensive receiver, without a doubt. And he's on the sideline. That is a killer. They have a nice yeah. tight end in Giovanni Haskins. I was talking to Matt about that earlier. That it's just a nice player. And uh, I, you know, he should be able to get the ball a little more because I think he's going to be a star at some point. But, um, you know, Pacheco stays healthy, as tough as can be. So you hope it. But you know what? He hasn't had a sliver to run through. So my hope is that right, Rutgers right. can actually get, a, get give him a little room. The offensive line can actually give him a little room against uh, Northwestern's yeah, this, uh, front this, four. This is not a front seven that is uh, okay. analogous, yeah. certainly to Michigan or Ohio State and probably not Michigan State right. either. So you think they can, that the Rutgers likely can run in this game? I, I would be surprised if they couldn't. No, Northwestern has done a decent job in terms of running game, like up the middle stuff. They can contain that pretty well. Cause like I said, that defensive line is still pretty strong, but if Rutgers can find even a couple of, you know, plays on the edge that they're confident are going to be winners for them. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a reverse, you know, just an off tackle run with a pulling guard. That, that kind of thing has kicked Northwestern up and down the field all season because the linebackers just aren't getting to the edge. Um, and when they are, they're missing tackles. And so I think that even if it's not a consistent thing, even if they're not you know, getting five yards a pop, they should be able to, to, to gain through the ground.
Last one for me, Noah, and thanks so much for the insights. It's been a terrific uh, podcast and, and a great interview. So noon start in Evanston, Big Ten Network, yeah. 11 o'clock local time. Yeah. Take yeah. me through an 11 o'clock start in Evanston, what kind of crowd we might see and you know what the atmosphere for an early game is because on the East Coast here, the noon game does not generally go no. over well. Uh, Northwestern loves themselves an 11 a.m. home game. Um, <laughs> Good. Because, look, that Ryan Field is not going to fill up with North, with purple on the best year. And it's certainly not going to fill up with purple this year. Um, this is a, a North, Northwestern, you know, is the smallest school in the Big Ten. The fan base is not a, a huge football fan base, right? It's never going to fill up. And they're also very dependent on whether the team is good. This is not a fan base that is going to show up no matter what. It's not a Nebraska, right? Um, they, 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 the, the fans, the people who are fans are smart. They know their football. They know when the team is bad and they're not going to come to games when the team is bad. Um, so there are not going to be a lot of people there. I would not be surprised if we saw at least, I don't know, 40 to 50% Rutgers in the stands because there's a decent amount of Rutgers fans in Chicago. I think you guys probably know that. Um, you know, know not a, not a huge amount, but it's not Michigan, but there's a decent amount. And if they come to the game, they're going to, they're going to be a presence there. And I just can't imagine that many Northwestern fans being there. They Patrick here likes that 11 a.m. atmosphere. He, he, he'd prefer a more empty stadium to one that's filled with the opposing team's fans. Like he gets a lot of the time. Um, and, <laughs> and uh, they feel like they have an advantage in that regard because they're always ready to play. It's what they feel like. Um, but uh, it's not going to be an electric environment by any means. Um, the weather should be okay. If it's rainy, it's rainy, but it's, it's not that cold over here. Um, so that's not going to be a problem, but there are, is it's, there is not going to be that much of an atmosphere for this game. I would be shocked if, and, there, if and the no, I, was even half full. I was just yeah. telling you, we, there was no one at the Michigan State game at Piscataway this past Saturday. Right. I have season tickets, and we were just talking about the early uh, – and it looks, they have to win. If Rutgers, if Rutgers wins, uh, people will come out. It's a, right. it's a, it's a right. pro sports area. So th- my point is, no, is it, it's very similar, actually, the programs in terms right. of that. Now, you've been, in, right. you've been in the Big Ten forever, but we're right outside of New York City. You're right sa- outside of Chicago. Probably right. more of a pro – a uh, pro, hundred um, percent. I think the fan bases, like your fan saying, base, the fan bases are very similar yes. makeup in terms yes. of what the way they think about. And, it. and yep, it must 100%. be infuriating to you, I'd imagine, when you play Wisconsin, when you play Michigan, right. all the other fans that are in the stands, huh? That's it. And, well, uh, it's it's yeah. it's frustrating in some ways, but in some ways, you know, it feels great because when we win those games, yeah, and we and Northwestern during the Pat Gerald era is winning 50% of their games against Wisconsin. They're beating Iowa more than half the time, right? You know, Northwestern beats those teams, and they all come out to Ryan Field, and they all spend money on the tickets, and they all sit down and go crazy for their team, and they lose. And I got to tell you, it doesn't feel too bad. Right. You should <laughs> so walk away with the not, W. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's well, not I, ideal, but because Fitz, because Fitz has been winning, it feels better. Now, look, they're not winning now. So it doesn't feel good. Well, and the truth is, and we've talked about this since Rutgers came into the Big Ten, in many ways, and I know, you know, private versus public, small versus big, but Rutgers fans, I say this all the time, should aspire to be like a Northwestern, a doormat forever, great coach. He gets them, you know, last two years into the Big Ten championship game. Admittedly, you've got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn right, State. It's harder on the Rutgers. It's side, harder right. on the East side, but that's what you should aspire to. Once right. in a while, you right. beat those big guys, but be a competitive team that play that uh, other teams hate to play. Get into exactly. bowl games regularly. Send guys to the NFL and become something that everyone can rally around. I, I, I'm not saying that's the best hope for Rutgers, but that's a pretty good shining example of what you can do under the right circumstances. Because and- Matt's been fabulous. And you know what? That's the thing that's been so disappointing about this season is because it really felt like Northwestern was on the verge of making that what they what the baseline was. You know, they like you said, they got there last year the Big Ten Championship. They got there in 2018 to the Big Ten Championship. They had a 10 win season in 2015. You know, they had a, mm-hmm. I, I think yeah, 2017 they had a 10 win season as well. So you're looking at that. You're looking at coming into the season four out of the last six seasons. They either won ten. They either won ten games or went to the Big Ten Championship or both. Right. 
no, that is a that is a foundation to build a program yeah. on. Well, and, and not, not only this year, yeah, and not not only that, no, but uh, and you know we're hearing uh, that you spent a ton of money at like the Taj Mahal right. there. The, so talk, yeah. tell us about the facilities and what's going on oh, there it's, because it's uh, we hear it's phenomenal. Right, it's. I have been inside Ryan Fieldhouse on, uh, on multiple occasions. It, it, Pat Ryan spent $250 million. Uh, Pat Ryan, of course, uh, a Chicago billionaire who owns a stake in the Bears, a significant stake in the Bears as well. He spends a lot of money on Northwestern Athletics, so he spent mm-hmm. a quarter of a billion on this on the fat practice right. facility over there, Ryan Fieldhouse. It is glistening over by the lake. You get onto the fo- football field over there for practice, and you got full-length windows on the other side right over the lake. Pretty impressive. Uh and 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 now he's committed almost a half a billion dollars to a revamping of Ryan Field, mm. which, as anybody who's been to that stadium can tell you, they, it needs it. Mm. But uh, <laughs> the timing was not ideal because Northwestern turned around and is putting up a bit of a stinker. But yes, that the facilities are not an issue, and the recruiting has has taken an uptick in along with the facilities and along with the program success. You know, they're not recruiting with the Michigans and Michigan States, even. They're not even quite recruiting with the Wisconsin, but they're getting to that level, right? They're mm-hmm. they're right in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten right now, which for a team like Northwestern, that's pretty impressive, right? A private school, like you said, a school that is not in a big market yeah. in terms of college sports fans. That's where they need to be. So they're not a team that can afford to slip backwards like this if it's sustained. They already had one very bad season in 2019 when they went 3-9. and nine and looked and just had the worst offense you've ever seen. They fired their offensive coordinator after that season. Things turned around immediately. But now it seems like this is why this game is so important because you lose this game if you're Northwestern, it feels like you're right back there. You're going to go three and nine again. You're going to be completely a laughing stock in the Big Ten. You're going to be completely out of the postseason picture. And then you're going to have to pick up all the pieces for a second time in three years. And that is very difficult for a team even one with some institutional support like Northwestern has, that is not an elite team in their conference to do, as I'm sure you guys know. Yeah. Well, and Rutgers is similar, of course, because they got to build up their facilities. They don't have a billionaire oh, helping them out. Would be nice, yeah. but they, they don't it, have that. Uh, and I guess the idea with Northwestern is you have to build this to just stay competitive. You build it, they'll come, right. and you and so and, you and must do it. And it has worked. Yeah. In the early going, it has okay. worked. So yeah, that's the key. Well, now, Rutgers has some, some advantages that Northwestern doesn't have, certainly. The, the bigger alumni base, it, it certainly helps, you know, the proximity to the New York media market, even if it is mm-hmm. overblown, I agree with you on that. It, it helps, right? Yeah. It helps. Oh so, yeah. There's every huge alumni. I'm one, I'm one and there's a, a, a huge alumni base for, for Rutgers. So that, that does help. Although a lot, not a lot of, uh, uh, not a lot of money, not a lot of dollars yep. uh, uh, yep. goes into it. But I think as they as they get better, as they um as the uh, as they, wins winning does everything, right? It, when, when you start yep. winning, people come out to this to the stadium, they fill up the stadium, and uh, and and you sell more season tickets, and and uh, there's more donors and and boosters and such. It's all it all builds because Chiano's already done it. I mean, we can go back to uh, Piscataway, uh, the pandemonium in Piscataway years ago. And then, and then I had to, I was at that game and when we beat Louisville and I, I had to turn sideways, the place was so packed. So if, if, if they, if they have, if they play winning football, uh, the, the, uh, the fans will come out. If they don't, they simply won't. And I think you're in the same position there in, in Chicago as well. So it's a, actually similar programs. Uh, but again, uh, Noah, thank you for joining us again, uh, 11 o'clock in Chicago. 11 a.m. in Chicago, noon kickoff here on the East Coast. Again, thanks to uh, Noah Kaufman from uh, Inside NU, correct? Is yep, that, that's uh, right. You were yep. the editor-in-chief there. So thanks for joining us. And you can find our podcast on uh, Spotify. You can find our podcast on SoundCloud. So anywhere you find your podcast, go find ours and check it out. I'm Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.